0: Hey, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Drop-In Morning Show with the Teach Better team, where we are live every single morning at 7 a.m. Eastern, streaming on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Holy moly, it is Wednesday, December 8th. Hedrick and I may have been talking about that we're a little sleepy this morning, so we're going to slowly wake up with you as we get into a lot of different discussions. We have a good news story. We also have, obviously, our celebrations and holidays for the day. We are going to continue discussion on our theme and oh my gosh, Hedrick has, has a lot going on that we also want to dive into. So please go fill up your coffee, share this feed so that our friends and family can catch it all, whether we're live or after the fact, and we'll be right back. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Welcome back. Good morning. It is Wednesday, December eighth. Holy moly! I have Hedrick Nichols with me. I am so stoked that we are live together, even if we're live a little sleepy.
1: How are you doing? I am sleepy, but I am great. I am super excited to be here. I, I, you know what? It's been too long. We haven't got a chance to catch up in like forever. So. so forever. That's- For you, I wake up baby.
0: No, you're just so sweet. Well, that's the fun part. Like I very successfully have been stalking your life on social media. So I feel like I keep tabs on you. But oh my gosh, I know we hadn't caught up in ages. And so when I saw that you were on the list for this week, I'm like, all right, let's get some catch up time. We'll do it live because that will be goofy and fun. We've had a lot of good laughs live. So this is just a perfect way to, to start the morning, even though it's early. But For our friends that may not know you, although I feel like you're super active in the Teach Better family and the Teach Better network, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do in education?
1: i am hedrick nichols i am an author uh six books you know we kind of been in a pandemic and i had like no life so <laughs> six books uh i am an educator i serve i am a teacher who serves my district as ed tech curriculum and instructional specialist and i'm a mom and host of the vlog and the um What's that thing? Podcast. There's that word. <laughs> podcast, Small Bites. And it talks about equity in education and how to be a more uh, inclusive educator. I know that we have so many things we need to catch up on, but just because you mentioned the
0: podcast, guys, Small Bites is one of my favorite podcasts to talk all things, like with Hedrick. Like, truly, this is, I love that it is in bite sized pieces. I love your approach you do it with so much heart. It makes sense to me. I just, I need everyone to know that podcast is like the bomb.com. I love it. Well,
1: you know, thank you so much. I, you know, I like it. It's, it's like a five minute format. So it's really cool, but I have to tell you, there's a recent episode that is my favorite. It's actually there. Uh, I'm a part of the teach better podcast network in case anyone didn't know. And so is Todd Shimmer and I did his podcast. Um, last monday it came out if you have not heard that episode it is it's longer than bite size it's about 45 minute episode but it is so worth listening. listen he asks some really hard hitting questions and considering that the climate sometimes is so anti equity and education friendly as far as what we talk about in our classrooms it's a great podcast to talk about how to deal with some of that pushback pushback so I just have to plug that one because I just fell in love with him so
0: we love Tim Shimmer. he has been on daily drop-in when we were talking about questioning and grading and I I love that the two of you together I'm sure is a powerhouse episode I'm gonna have to go hunt that one down so that's phenomenal Okay, so I know you're doing a lot of things. I want to get to the books. How's your family? How's your son? How's how's that world?
1: <laughs> Christopher, he's 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 17. Oh my god. 10 months and almost 17 17, almost yeah, almost no 17 not nine months. I'm sorry, let me I can't count. He's like 17 and almost nine months old couple of weeks ago, I could tell you how many days. It's like 17, eight months and 22 days. I think that's about right. And so I am only slightly freaking out that he is going to embark on the adulthood journey in just about four months. He is doing amazing. He was actually project manager for my, um, for my book launch event, which was a hybrid event that had so many moving pieces and he was pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, he's... <sighs> Playing music, um, looking at Air Force. Actually, pretty much sure about Air Force. Um, trying to decide whether you know what career to go into. Uh, auditioning for their uh, their band. I mean, just just so many beautiful things that I'm super excited about for him, and at the same time that I you know I keep thinking God. This this is probably the last Christmas tree we decorated together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you know, like like as a mother and son, you know what I mean. Next year he might be anywhere in the world for Christmas. Yeah. you know those kinds of thoughts. So it's, and I've got some wonderful people who are at that. Um, Olivia Chan is her daughter is also at that precipice. Keisha McDonald's. Of uh, sun is at that precipice, so I have some wonderful people who just kind of check in on me because on any given day I could burst into tears. You know? I'm so thrilled he's doing well. I can only imagine we're doing a big blowout party for that 18th birthday, like that's got to be a big one. DR, baby, we, you know what? It's it's funny because since he was about nine, he wanted to either go to Jamaica or Fiji. Fiji is a little far to fly in COVID and Jamaica has consistently been at a level two. So I wasn't really comfortable with that. And DR, I mean, at a level four, DR is uh, about where the U.S. is. Well, depending on where you live in the U.S. And I thought, okay, we'll, yeah. Get back, get boosted, and head over there and see how it works out. Yeah, oh. but it, but it's 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 funny how it was a real consideration. Will we be able to do this trip that we've dreamt about for years? But the pandemic just makes every, everything just looks different. But we're mm-hmm. yeah. We're, so if if everything goes well, we'll head to the DR and rock out the 18th. I love it. I love these these big plans. I I feel it
0: in my bones. I feel it's gonna happen. I'm very excited for you guys. All right. Very. All
1: Anybody out there, cross your fingers, pray, you know.
0: Exactly, exactly. Good morning to all of you, by the way, that are live with us. We love the commenting. Holly, it's great to see you this morning. Thanks for throwing a good morning in the chat. You know, Hedrick, you mentioned that you kind of have some other stuff that you've done. Obviously, books may be a part of them. You just had a book launch. I don't know that I know anybody who's written six books. You kind of sound nutty, just so you know. Like, I don't... Like, pulling... Molly or like, tell me all the things I know that all these books are available for our network to go grab. They're on different topics. I need I need more background. Tell me more.
1: Okay, so the first two are from Sleeping Bear Press, Cherry Lake Publishing. Um, and they are black social justice books for um, whenever I'm tired, my brain doesn't pull words, right? Like I'm looking, I'm searching drawers. They are social justice books for middles. So grades roughly four to eight, three to nine, that kind of thing. And they are, uh, they're, two titles, what is anti-racism and what is the Black Lives Matter movement, and there's also a combination book um, called Topics for Change, and those were done um, in conglomeration with an author, um, oh, God, I gotta have here, there we go, Calissa Wing, <laughs> who designed Uh, the series to help kids understand these big weighty topics that we hear about uh, and that might make people afraid and so I examine them really what is race and what is this whole anti-racism thing is it not being racist enough and okay what is anti-racism is that going beyond being not just being not racist yes it is it's about being something rather than being not something and how you can help to stand up for your friends who are are sometimes marginalized because of their identity. And the, inter- and oh, and the Black Lives Matter movement, for example, I also talk about that. And because uh, there was a lot of bad press that it was a terrorist organization, it was a violent organization, and those kinds of things. And the Black Lives Matter movement is a, is a movement that seeks to highlight and protest for and against, um, protest, protest against, Violence in the Black communities and in actually the LG communities, just marginalized communities in general, even though it's Black Lives Matter, they actually do a lot of work in other um, other communities and for other populations. So uh, to grab more grassroots, less centralized, less centralized and has nothing to do with terrorism, even though, as we've seen, you know, in many cases, um, <laughs> protests go wrong. They do. Um, that's just the nature of the game, but that does not mean that this is this is not a movement that has been designed to uh to to protest violently. So it talks about that and what the move where the movement comes from connects it to the uh civil rights movement of the of the uh, 60s, talks about the women's suffrage movement, those kinds of things, and just gives people a little more context than you hear when you just hear buzzwords and headlines. And uh, the neat thing about them is that they're on the crowds. He's a politician running for office coming up. Um, they're on his banned book list. Um, yeah, I know, thank you, thank you. <laughs> They're on, yeah, they're on the band's book list with 800 and there were 849 titles. I've heard it's gotten up to 865. I haven't caught up, but he has pulled shelves from people like Mark Twain, Toni Morrison, Ibram Kendi, and little me. And I think that it's uh, sad that we, you know, we we th- we don't want to we don't want to even look at how we do gun control in this country and things like Michigan and Parkland happen, but we pull books from titles and don't even consider what's inside and how they might be helpful. And I I, I, I say, you know, you're talking about, you don't want to be, you don't want to talk about race and make, make your babies feel uncomfortable. And I agree, and no teacher's doing that. But <laughs> you also don't want to make my babies uncomfortable <laughs> in an effort to make sure that your babies are uncomfortable are, are comfortable, and that's not what's happening. So that so anyway, there's that too, and there are three more that are more Black History, so Black Wall Street, Black in STEM, and um. Uh, the Harlem Renaissance, those are coming out in February. And the one who just, that just dropped is uh, Finding Your Blind Spots, Eight Guiding Principles to Overcoming Implicit Bias in Teaching. And that one is a strategy and workbook for educators working in diverse settings and really working toward being more inclusive educators.
0: (laughs) Friends, I hope you go pick up these three books now. The three books also in in February. We do house uh, direct links to purchasing these books over in the Teach Better Bookshelf. If you want to head over there and just find them easy, we even have you know Hedrick's beautiful face right next to the book, so you can just look for her, click and purchase. It's right there for you. But I will say, you know, something I've always loved about talking with you at any point in time is your approach to these types of conversations. One of my first, you know, early memories of of discussing things with you and talking about fostering a stronger relationship with you and with Jeff Gargas is we're like, this woman lets us talk about the stuff that makes people uncomfortable but are necessary topics to talk about. And as a white female, Jeff as a white male, we we have to be an advocate for ensuring that 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 these stories, that these messaging get discussed in a way that people can truly begin to chew and enact change. And I think it's so interesting because hearing that there has been any sort of struggle that you've gone through getting these books out there is, a, I, I just think that's so appalling. I'm so frustrated by that. I'm so sorry. This is the first I heard about it. So I'm sorry you've gone through that. That's.
1: It's it's interesting. And I had a, a comment and I, I I bring it up. I probably just let it die, but it's so it's it's useful because it talks about how resistant we are to talking about the topics, and not in any factual way, not in any. Hey, you wrote something, and that's not true. That's you know, I did some research, and that's not what I have here. Um, you said there's 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 a special place in hell reserved for you, um, for uh, for talking about these kinds of things, and you don't have brain cells, and just and those kind of comments. And I'm really hoping that we can. You know, stand down. Think about it. If there's another human being, there's there's a there's a Bible scripture that says if me offends my brother. You know, if I were having dinner with a vegetarian, could I not just have a pasta dish? Would that be so hard? You know, can I not say, oh, why are you a vegetarian? Oh, well, I have issues with my colon, so I only I don't eat meat, or I am philosophically a virgin because I don't believe in killing animals. Oh, okay, I don't have to do either of those things. But I can listen and respect and that that unwillingness in our country, that that just vehemence to dig in and not really reach across to people who, who disagree with you and at least hear. What they're saying, and especially when it concerns large swaths of people who might be, you know, have, might have a very different life experience, and might be suffering or experiencing adversity because of that, and you could do something about it by just listening and learning a couple of things new, that 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 hurts my feelings sometimes. So I, I think it's completely
0: appropriate and understandable. I love your comparison between the vegetarian and and a meat eater. I, I think there's so many different concepts right now that people are struggling to discuss people I mean, we've we've talked about this you and i like how do you talk about this without offending people but you're asking the hard questions or you're phrasing things wrong and you want to make sure you phrase things correctly we've had numerous conversations about this but you're i mean when you're explaining it in terms of something that is outside of the race dialogue you're talking about like being a meat eater being a vegetarian it's like well gosh how silly is this we gotta figure this out friends like when you like, come
1: on, you know I. Ugh. We gotta figure this out, yeah. And I th- and the thing about it is that you know if you really are patriotic and believe in w- liberty and justice for all or one nation under God, indivisible, you know those concepts. Go- those concepts say one country. You know this ain't the Cowboys and the Steelers. <laughs> you know, what I mean? it's like like we can retreat to our to our respective sides and say, OK, this is my team. And we've gotten like that very much politically and about identity that you know, it's an us and them mentality. And it's like, hey, folks, whether or not you're pro-life, whether you're Republican or Democrat, you know, it doesn't really matter what you believe. We still have to function as one country or else we're going to implode. And, and, and it's like, dude. Are you kidding me? Do you not realize that this is kind of important that we find a way to end thing? Yeah, so that, that just is like, okay, all right, let's just be evil to one another. And where's this going to end up?
0: Well, I'm just appreciative that you are putting out content that fosters discussion, that fosters change, that fosters people being able to be more knowledgeable on this concept. I want to encourage everybody to not only listen to the podcast, but obviously- go check out those book resources as well. And obviously we'll have a big celebration when the next three come out in February. So I, and I do appreciate the difference in the three that are currently available, that one is an educator specific workbook and that is such a valuable tool for us all to go pick up. Obviously it just came out. So that's very exciting. And then the, the other two that are, you know, really going to dive into topics in a way that you know you could even present to to uh, to students which is which is really valuable so we are going to transition here into some good news stories some good news articles some holidays i know you love a good holiday so we'll be right back and then we're going to continue this discussion <laughs> is daily drop-in time and we are going to go through some good news articles and some holidays. I know you love a good holiday, right? Like, are you up for some celebrations this morning? No. (laughs) (laughs) We got some good celebrations. More importantly, I think one of the best days ever is today. We were talking about how we were a little sleepy. I had a long day yesterday. You were up for hours last night. I think that this holiday was made for us. So we're going to, I'm going to save that one to the end. I do wanna give a shout out. There are a number of different beautiful holidays going on today. One is in the Catholic faith and the other is in uh, the Japanese culture. So as you continue to go throughout your day, please celebrate, even if you don't identify with those cultures, celebrate the opportunity that we all have to learn about each other's religions or learn about each other's uh, ethnic background and continue to foster some wonderful celebrations there. Hedrick, I don't know how you feel about dessert, but are you a dessert person? Yes. Good dessert. Good Good dessert. dessert. And what do you define as a good dessert? How do you how do you locate a good dessert?
1: What what is a good dessert made of? Good dessert is made of really good, it starts with good ingredients. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like a chocolate bar, or, you know, okay, you know, everybody's down for a pack of skills every now and then. So I can't, you know, <laughs> gotta love skills. But it's, it starts from fresh ingredients and no mm-hmm. preservatives and, you know, stuff like cream or real dark chocolate or. Cons, yum, stuff mm. like that. Cheese, a great cheesecake, oh. um, those kinds of things. Yeah, good brown sugar, caramelized thingy, apples, peach. So, yeah. Now you're just gonna make us all hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I will say,
0: I have a, I have a feeling. While I know these specific dessert pieces can probably be made poorly, I would hope that we all can take some some um, commitment today to go make them with wonderful ingredients. It is World Brownie Day, friends. So as we continue to go throughout our day, y'all need to go hunt down a brownie. I don't care what kind of brownie. It can be just, you know, a a chocolate brownie. It might have nuts in it or something in between. But I think we all need to take a moment on this beautiful December morning to acknowledge that we need to go hunt down a brownie for World Brownie Day.
1: World Brownie Day, Yes. yes, yes. Now, wait a minute. You, you mentioned the, the Catholic faith and the Japanese culture. Do, do, do brownies belong to one of those? Or I don't no, miss
0: that? These are all separate holidays that we're, that we're yeah. celebrating. Um, but I will say, I, I don't think that that people necessarily can't double dip. Like I, you, they might identify as a Catholic uh, within the Catholic religion and still eat brownies today. I think that's possible.
1: All right. Well, I was, and and I would like to shout, you know, there might be some triple dippers, you know what I mean? You are Japanese Catholic and a brownie lover. So, you know,
0: you know what I would love to meet all people, regardless of what what holiday you're celebrating, whether you're choosing to celebrate all three, maybe just one, keep us updated. I know there are some people in the world that don't like a good brownie, but might celebrate some other uh, holiday today. I do feel though, like there is nothing compares to a wonderful homemade brownie with those great
1: ingredients that is that is yummy yeah now you didn't say what are the two holidays what are they celebrating
0: yeah so one is the feast of immaculate conception which is in the catholic faith as we continue throughout the december holiday leading up to christmas um i have learned so much about christmas since doing daily drop-in because i'm just reading all these articles of like like Saint Nicholas Day and and everything that's leading up, so I feel like I'm becoming so educated. This other holiday I was reading about this morning, it's in the Japanese faith. It's uh oh my gosh, I'm gonna butcher it, but He Day. It's B O D H I, and as I go through, it's within the culture. Um, and it I, I, the emperor has actually moved this day numerous times, um, but it goes through um this concept of benefiting all. So it is observed uh, to mark the moment that took place 2,500 years ago when um, uh, somebody that is very uh, connected to the Japanese faith achieved enlightenment and became a Buddha. It kind of goes through. For those of you who want to read about the holiday, nationaltoday.com has all these details. As we talked about before, it not only goes through the history of this day, Uh, but also goes through how to celebrate the timeline. I mean, this holiday in the Japanese culture started in uh, 528 BC, which is wonderful. And it's still celebrated today. Really that like, it says world peace symbol. Also goes into um, like, how do you wish somebody a good day? It goes through like how you can greet somebody who might be celebrating this day. One here says, have a blessed day is is a greeting that's appropriate. And then it also has three suggestions on, how you can observe it, how you can celebrate this day. One of them is uh, to make some decorations. So to decorate the house with pictures and little statues of a Buddha under a fig tree to remember this day of awakening. You can also light candles and other lights to symbolize enlightenment. So there are a lot of beautiful things, I'm sure, going on around the world to celebrate this holiday today.
1: Yay. So fun, right? it's funny the fig tree is a symbol of enlightenment and other faiths as well so it's funny how how the more i learn about other cultures how many things we have in common i i just that just never see ceases, ceases to blow me away and i think that was one of my favorite things when i was in the
0: classroom full-time is not only bringing these holidays up to students to acknowledge what other you know people were were celebrating that they may not be celebrating but also then having students say, oh my gosh, yeah, that's something that we do in my family when really? I get to go home tonight. This is how we choose to celebrate. And and I I just, I love that. It not only spreads awareness, but I am just such an advocate. I don't know why it's like kind of my silly, like whatever, but I, I love celebrating other people's holidays. I think it's so cool to be able to be like, I've never gotten to eat that food or, or been able to to hear that prayer, like how can I be around to kind of soak it all up and be
1: in celebration with you? It's so fun. Mm, That's what our community um, had, the school that I taught at, uh, again, I'm not in the classroom this year, I'm working for the district, but our school, um, my home school had uh, such a diverse community, and we used to have a pre-COVID back in the day, we had these wonderful international festivals where everybody would cook (laughs) <laughs> I mean, sorry, city fall festivals had nothing on us. There was usually like a high school haunted house and then just food. And you could eat your way through for two hours because there was Somali food and there was Ethiopian food. Those kind of close, but yeah. You know. And then there was, you know, we have uh, Mexican food and then we had Vietnamese food. But just, oh my God, people's mamas were cooking. I love it. That's yeah. the best, that's the
0: best. I will say this uh, interesting good news article is interesting because while it doesn't necessarily have to do with cultures, it is a livable space, which is extremely interesting to me as I was reading this. I feel like I'm kind of uh, looking at a picture of something that should be very far in the future and yet it exists in our world right now. I'd love to recommend that each and every one of you, as you're looking for a good news article or an article to spark interest in your students' dialogue today, this might be the article for you. The title says, this is a new floating continent that could collect and recycle plastic from the ocean. And so while it's only a mocked up model of what this could look like, holy cow has there been some work done in here. So this says a large self-sustaining floating research lab um, as big as an island is now the new venture to aim to clean up our oceans. Um, As it goes through it, they discuss that this is going to be called the Eighth Continent, uh, and it won an award in 2020 um, for its architecture and innovation as it sits on the sea, and the people can actually live on this continent to live and work and eat and sleep and study uh, full time. So looking at this, um, looking at something like this Eighth Continent, they're describing it as kind of like a water lily. It floats on, on on the top of the water and it collects all the garbage all the plastic that's within the ocean and is going to be something that they're going to roll out within the next few years and begin the construction on to see if we can clean up our oceans by building a new structure and i am just blown away the architecture is beautiful to be honest with you i know sometimes we see these in- inventions and they're not necessarily the best looking but they have a beautiful you know intention this is truly looking like a massive flower that's going to be sitting on the ocean o- ocean top and truly hope to make a huge impact. So uh, definitely go check that out. It has three long legs and a beautiful top. I have a little picture here that I'll try and show on screen. But Yeah, so- I'm checking it
1: out. I was like, I got to see this myself. Oh, wow. Yeah. Look
0: at that. So I think this could be a really interesting article to bring up. Um, depending on what you're teaching, what your what your students' ages are, and and what your intention is, for me, I really would love to focus on this concept of innovation. I, every time we have an innovative article that we bring, whether it's a student creation or a research creation, we're looking at this opportunity for people to rethink the world around them, rethink um, po- possible solutions to the problems that exist in the world. And I really appreciate this innovation. I I don't know how you come up with not only the beauty of the structure but also this livable space that we're now going to build in the ocean that's going to fix a problem that
1: many, many, many have been striving to fix for decades. So this is a big Yeah, thing. my students made me give up straws. We had a project, we had an SDG project a couple of years ago, and one of their things was to give up straws. So I have um, metal straws. I've given up almost exclusively plastic straws. Yeah. You know? Just in the restaurant, they bring one and I just say, no, thank you. I mean, you know, I, things like that. It's well, and isn't that a cool opportunity to
0: not only foster conversation on innovation, but also now identify this problem of needing to clean up our ocean and be able to say, is there anything? And sometimes there's not really, but for this specifically, there is, is there anything that our students, regardless of the age, can do to be a part of the solution versus a part of the problem? Simple concepts like, yes, you can choose to give up straws is an enormous element that we all have control over, you yeah. know, so yeah. that's. Powerful. So,
1: powerful. by the way, that there's an article in Time for kids. Uh, when I looked, I found it. Awesome. So, if teachers want to share this this uh, this beautiful water lily with their kids, check it out. It's there. So. I love it. So cool.
0: We're gonna transition here into some conversation around our theme this week, and then Hedrick House. I want to make sure that if there are questions in the. In the uh, comments this morning, we're able to get to those, dive into the book a little bit more to make sure that people really feel like they have some tactical takeaways they can go bring to their classrooms, to their lives right off the bat. So we'll be right back as we head into our brainstorm (laughs) bank. All right, friends, you know how this works. It is time to discuss our work in our brainstorm bank. This is an intentional time every single day where we simply pause and ask you if you need anything. Hedrick and I are not promising that we have the solutions to the problems that you may have, but we absolutely are here to be a brainstorm partner in striving to support you or to connect you with somebody who might be a resource for you. You know this theme this week which has been an interesting theme now that it's wednesday i was thrilled that you were going to come join us is all about technology that we should consider using today and so while there's been an, an enormous amount of tech tools that educators have explored many of them have been in the classroom in the trenches back with students quote unquote this semester and trying to find the balance of the abundance of tech we were using you know 10 months ago to what we've decided to use currently, and what are the essential tech tools that we can recommend? I'd love to get your insight. I mean, you're serving this year as a technology coach. How has that been for you?
1: You know, it's uh, it's been an interesting ride so far. The thing about um, I'm this is a new position, so mostly. People like me get hired, and then I work with whoever the procurement people are and the IT people are, and we do a nice little planned rollout. And we come up with all these, you know, these solutions and community partners. And then we decide which devices we're going to purchase, which apps we're going to purchase as a network, as a district. And then we roll out. You know, or we let our parents know. We put out good press. We talk about how kids are going to use them, and you know, what kind of things we're going to add to our student handbook. Books and that's what you do. And it's called a plan. It's, it's a rollout. Well, this is what happened. What happened was 2020 spring break came and so did the pandemic. And yep. those two weeks being at home turned into you are going to be home indefinitely. And so the rollout that normally would have happened was... Uh, Ops directors, office managers and administrators collecting all the Chromebooks from the campus, getting extra Chromebooks from IT, three or four people who were, you know, allowed to come on campus because nobody was on campus, um, doing like, you know, uh, paper and computer and barely scanning and parents driving through campuses and we were just making it rain Chromebooks. (laughs) And that's kind of, I think, you know, for, 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 districts who weren't one-to-one that happened all over the country. You know what I mean? This is, this is not something that's unique to our, the pandemic hit and everybody who wasn't already a one-to-one district where kids, which was the most of them, <laughs> you know, ESSER funds, probably most of that went to buying one, making campuses one-to-one. And so we made sure that kids had devices at home so that they could connect to the classroom because we decided that teachers were going to do a new job and teach online, which is for anyone who's listening that who's not a teacher, that was not the same job. And I say that simply because I am kind of tired of hearing virtual learning doesn't work. It's like, no, Emergency pandemic learning virtually may, does not work, and why should it? Because and, and it actually, even in some of those cert- settings, it works. But why was that difficult? Because because we made it rain Chromebooks, we made it rain virtual lessons instead of <laughs> on-site lessons. To, you know, just so. Many. So I'm the person who gets to go and work at putting those pillars in a building that's already standing. So that's really what's going on. And yes, there are many, many, many tools. But the one thing I do say is, especially because pretty much everybody has shifted a lot from even, even being in the classroom, we've shifted a lot to making sure that things are digitally available because it's practical for kids who are at home sick or it's good to have everything in one place. Parents can see what's going on. Those are great things, but I'm, I'm, I'm just cautious to say, you know, you pick your tools and really work at being good at those. Don't be a, a, a be a master of a couple of things and don't try to be a jack of all trades. You know, use your LMS, your, your your basic LMS good. And again, then pick your two or three tools that really work for to augment your lessons and stick with those. And, you know, as you grow, you can pull in other things, but you don't want to get into a place where you're so busy learning new tools and teaching your students new tools that that's really all you do. and You miss the core of making sure that your kids have content knowledge.
0: Well, and I think you're so spot on. I love that suggestion. That's something we can all do some reflection on this morning and throughout the week is not only thinking through what tech tools we choose to invest our time in, but ensuring you're getting the the biggest bang for your buck, right, For, for what tech tools you're committing time to, and ensuring you know it well enough to ensure that you're using it in the most effective way possible to support the work that you're doing. And then when you're a really, really strong educator using that tool in a really effective way, then you might consider using a new one, but making sure that every day isn't just you trying something new, but not doing it effectively, because you may not be really invested in learning how to utilize that tool in the best way possible, makes a ton of sense to me. Yep. As we are all kind of exploring tech tools, you know, I think that that's become such an overutilized word. Um, Is there technology support that you find are are really essential go-tos? You mentioned LMS, and LMS is is a, is a really powerful resource that a lot of educators could be choosing to use and hopefully are choosing to use. Are there some of those fundamentals, those, those, those essentials that you feel like you want educators to, to think through and ensure that they are committing some time to learning?
1: Um, I think whatever your district is using, whether it's uh Google Classroom, Schoology, Canva, any of those big name LMS Blackboard, I think it's um it's good to to learn that system well. And when I say learn it well, I mean develop your system within that, that 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 takes into account cognitive load theory. If you don't know what that is, please go and look it up. It has nothing to do with CRT, just telling you. So don't freak out. <laughs> Cognitive load theory, uh, CLT, cognitive load theory. It talks about how kids process information and how much extraneous stuff takes up energy so that they no longer have energy to actually learn what you're trying to teach them. So it talks about, um, you know, for example, online, if you put an assignment online, hyperlink things control k control v control copy then control k to your text that you want to hyperlink control v and i say that cuz it's look it up hyperlink if you can put things on one document as much as possible so it leads people directly to it and not don't have your kids going through 13 clicks your folder your subfolder your assignment your external app your google doc in the external app your that you know by the time they've clicked 7 times they've expended so much energy um, they don't really. They're they're no longer as focused to be able to actually take in the content. So that's one thing I talk about. Learn your if it's whatever it is. Schoology, Canva, Blackboard, and um, and uh, Google Classroomers are the big four. Um, whichever one you use. Pick your way of using it and stick with that system. Of course, I would love it if every district would kind of norm around how you're going to use the system so kids would know, know, like like intentionally with design. But again, those are things that districts, that's a new job. You know, there's not an instructional course template designer for districts. There needs to be because it, it, believe it or not, kids are just exhausted from clicking around. So there's that. But I mean, you're talking about
0: streamlining the the way that you deliver those initial moments of of instruction, regardless of what they're actually doing. I I love your emphasis on trying to make this clear and cohesive and, and effective so students can actually focus on the information, the assignment, whatever you're having them do versus clicking on the right button, opening up the correct tab and hunting and hunting and hunting we've all had that concern where we're looking for a resource, we don't even know where to begin. We search something in Google Drive, we can't find it. Now it doesn't even matter what the resource is because we're so frustrated and we'll figure it out with something some something else. And so making sure that things are are user friendly for our students so that they can focus on the content, the purpose behind what's what they're hoping to achieve is a big
1: deal. I love that suggestion for for this week. And and think about it. In your classroom, when you when you put your classroom together, your physical classroom, you would never have the pencil on one side of the room, the paper in the four north corner, the place where you turn in stuff somewhere over in the south corner, and then whatever their books or whatever resources they need somewhere. And you would never have your kids crisscrossing the classroom. You know what I mean? Most of us have that one little bin. This is where we turn in. The pencil sharpener is also here. Any paper materials, extra pencils, all that's in one spot. So the kids have this one place they can go and there's a flow in your classroom. And you want to have that in your, whatever your virtual LMS learning management system is. So that's, that's kind of where we are with that.
0: Phenomenal connection there between the virtual space that we organize our resource and the physical space that we organize our resource. I know there's numerous classes and moments that educators have chosen to take where they are thinking through how what's the flow of my classroom? How are students going to walk in? How are they going to engage with learning? How am I going to easily have them leave and enter in a very safe space? We think through that almost at nauseum. That was a constant thing that I worked on with student teachers. Now we can discuss it in a virtual space as well. It doesn't just go away because it exists on the computer. This is so good. So many great moments of reflection. Hedrick, I really appreciate it. With the work that you have been able to do, I know you are able to support and foster discussion on so many different topics. Do you feel like technology is maybe your second favorite topic to to coach? I mean, how, what how, what what role does technology play in? in your life outside of, obviously, your day-to-day role in the district? Is this a a new passion for you? Where does
1: technology lie? You know what? When when Interactive Whiteboards came out many years ago, I fell in love with tech. Um, At the time, I was teaching music in Switzerland and we just had such access to technology and it enriched the way... I mean, suddenly, there were no papers. We could put lyrics on the board and kids, instead of being stuck behind books and taking, you know, odd rest gentlemen, that was Christmas singing then. And now Christmas singing could be everybody focusing at one place. And that, that, just that small change made such a difference. And so I began to kind of delve into, well, what else can we do? And there were games and then there were things you could design and then phones became more available. And then there were, Devices in classrooms, so that that was kind of the beginning of my love with technology. And not being a, even though this is not a popular term anymore, I will use it. Not being a digital native, I really wanted to learn to help teachers um, use those tools in their classrooms, especially people who did not grow up with uh, you know computers. You know when. When I was back in school, back in South Texas, what we had were two computers down in the journalism classroom. And luckily, I I took journalism, so I got to see it. But I learned to type. I didn't learn keyboarding. I learned to type. (laughs) So knowing that, you know, when you when you work with teachers who are coming out of school after having an iPhone 4 since they were nine, (laughs) you you know, they grew up doing this. When you work with teachers like that, it can be very intimidating to even approach this stuff because you feel like, well, you can do that because you just grew up with it. And so I really love technology, especially because there's so many tools that can really augment instruction. And I like being able to teach people who are tech hesitant how to save time using tech, how to you know, differentiate. Oh, my God. who can- Differentiation. Without technology is unimaginable. I mean, literally how many people have the time to do that really well? You know, stations is kind of the differentiation thing we do in classrooms. But now you can differentiate in everything because you can have small groups doing one thing online and these doing some. Activity at a whiteboard. I don't think most people, most classes don't have those anymore. But I still like those that concept. And then you can have people that you can, yeah, you know, can pull small groups and everybody can collaborate on a document. There are just so many ways to use it that saves time and you know really enriches instruction. And that's what we're all there for.
0: Enriching instruction, so good. Every single week when we have this overarching theme, we hope to be able to touch on it every day, regardless of who our guests are joining the Daily Drop-In Show. Wednesdays, though, are very special because Wednesdays are when we're able to give a recommendation on how our audience can continue to foster discussion, exploration, and their own personal education on the themes. And while we will continue to talk about this theme Monday through Friday, we know that we just skim the surface of so many important ideas. So we have a recommendation for you, and we'll be right back to ensure that you are continuing your exploration with the right tech tools to support you. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot here for just a moment. If you had one recommended resource, and this can be a book, an article, a podcast, a movie, I don't even know, the, the options are endless. But if you had one option, to direct people, to help them go explore effective technology use further, where do you
1: think you'd recommend they begin? Flipgrid. Oh, tell me more. Okay. So Flipgrid, I want a sponsorship. Okay. I'm I'm, I'm just letting you know that right now. Yeah. (laughs) Flipgrid is a, Tool, it's the perfect student engagement tool. There are a lot of built-in tools into most learning management systems right now, where you can have kids give you feedback and you give them feedback. But most teachers, for some reason, I don't know, they they're glitchy. I I, I don't know. I really didn't use mine much either. It was, it's functional, but it was kind of wonky. Flipgrid is an external tool that you can have your kids um spend 60 seconds, 90 seconds, two minutes, up to two minutes like this, giving you a, a comment on something, expounding on something, reading a book. You can actually have your kids do read alouds and you can grade that. You can grade that by, uh, you can, yeah, well let's not talk about I will not talk about grading going grades. but you can assess it you can give feedback on it let me say that word you can give feedback on it you can give that verbally by giving them one back uh, you can provide your your instructions also in the in this in the setting like this in a little mini video format which is super helpful if you have els or if you have struggling readers and um, for those kids who are struggling with text-based learning text-based learning Learning. Um, Flipgrid gives them because a lot of times we test, we, are, we we can't really test content because kids might be might be struggling with reading or writing or with with like I said, text based knowledge acquisition and recall. And Flipgrid gives kids the time to tell you what long how to do long division, and you can they can show you how to do long division, those kinds of things. So, I that's that's probably my favorite. Um, go-to tool. And it's it's super user-friendly. And kids can, you can do gallery walks inside it because you can set them either to public or to private. And kids can go around and comment on each others. And it gives you an opportunity to talk about community and not bullying. And because it's social media-ish, if you use it in a public way, it gives kids the opportunity to practice liking and commenting in an encouraging and uplifting way. And you can use it to teach that skill explicitly, because unfortunately, that's something that a lot of parents haven't learned considering what I'm seeing on social media. So it, it, it kind of does, um, yeah, it's a twofold, act, twofold uh, learning path you can take there. Well, I love this recommendation because if you
0: are somebody who is at all hesitant or isn't using Flipgrid, this is now an opportunity to go and explore that resource. The other element that I wanted to highlight, which was truly like just sent to me earlier this week, is the new book by Monica Burns. Uh, Monica is a great friend of the Teach Better family. Uh, She just published, um, she's published numerous books, but just published a new one with ASCD. And this one's called EdTech Essentials. It has over a hundred tech resources, but it doesn't just recommend the resource. It does exactly what Hedrick just did, where it gives you the why behind the resource. Because if you don't know the why behind the resource, you might as well not use it. Nobody needs to just implement a tech tool because they feel like they need to implement technology. You need to ensure that it is a valuable opportunity that you're offering to students, which has very evidently been emphasized by Hedrick numerous times throughout our conversation. So. If you're looking for an easy read, a quick pickup, uh, this is a brand new book that just came out within the last few months with Monica. And it goes through so many different things in terms of suggestions of resources that you can go use. And um, let me know if anybody needs that piece because I can direct you to that link as well. But shout out to Monica and her work in that space. Hedrick, I love your, your focus on ensuring that there is a resource that is easy to use, safe for teachers to explore and allows students to really expand on the work that you're doing. You are always somebody who is giving suggestions that are more than just a one, you know, one tool that you can use for one lesson plan, but really a suggestion that allows the teacher to grow as an educator and foster a better classroom environment. And I really appreciate that about you. I wanna make sure our network has an opportunity to connect with you outside of our discussion today. So do you mind sharing how people can stay connected to you? I do,
1: but I forgot. There's one little tiny resource that I have to give teachers that that I find that some don't know before we go on. Please, YouTube it, okay? We are used to Googling it but if there is a tool that you want to explore Mm -hmm. i promise you there are at least a gazillion teachers who have already done a video on how to get started on that so i don't know that it's a simple resource but if you are not just part of the youtube scrolling kind of person you might not know that youtube is an excellent resource for learning how to use any tool that you want to learn. There are there are great introductions. A lot of the companies, the big the big tech tool companies have their own resources. And those are usually good, but the ones that I really find are great our teachers, their tools about how they use it, how they use it in the classroom. I don't know if you know Alice Keeler, but she's got, if you're a Google-based person, man, she's got stuff for you. So yeah, YouTube. Now, to connect with me, my name is Hedrick. It's spelled H-E-D-R-E-I-C-H. And if you know how to spell that, you can find me everywhere on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, on TikTok, on uh, Linktree, on LinkedIn, all all of, the, all of the places. Oh, and my website, which is Hedrick.com. So, okay. Easy. Oh, YouTube, YouTube slash Hedrick, I'm on YouTube too.
0: Love it. If you are in any way struggling to spell her name, I will tell you the Teach Better community is constantly celebrating the work that you're doing and you're a part of our speakers network. So you can go connect with her over there over at TeachBear.com slash speakers network. There's no way you can't find her. So you gotta go find her. That's essentially the moral of the story. I love it thank you so much for coming live with me bright and early this morning i know we said we were sleepy and slowly waking up but holy cow do we have a great discussion i so appreciate you being here at least i'm not in california jeez oh, thank goodness right i know i always feel bad when we have guests on and i'm like hey it's 4 30 in the morning cheers yeah no it's good for everyone else we hope you have the best wednesday i mean it's december 8th i have a really good feeling about this one friends i hope you have just an absolutely wonderful day. And if you need anything, please feel free to reach out. We're always here to be a support system for you. Please enjoy your last sips of coffee. And of course, let us know if you need anything. Otherwise, we will see you later this afternoon for brain break and bright and early tomorrow morning for another daily drop in. And uh, happy Wednesday, friends. See you later. Happy Wednesday.